Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're in the, uh, the third week. This will be the final week, I think, of our series that we've called Strong Faith in Uncertain Times. Strong Faith in Uncertain Times. The first week, uh, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, and we talked about faith that pleases God. Last week, we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath. We talked about faith that kills giants. And today, the title of my message is Faith That Marvels Jesus. Faith That Marvels Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we open up our hearts, our lives to you. Lord, just speak a word to us today. Let faith take root in our hearts. Let it grow. Let it explode, Father, that we'd be men and women of great faith for your glory. And let the rams win and beat the bucks today. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody. Say amen. Amen. Hello. You guys awake? You ready? All right, okay. 1130. Help, help me. Help me. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. Open up your Bibles if you have one. Matthew chapter 8. In fact, go ahead and stand to your feet if you would as I like to do when we read the Word of God. There's nothing more powerful than God's Word. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10, would you read verse 10 out loud together with me? Ready, go. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 11, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 11 and 12, Jesus is referring to the fact that many of the Jews, especially the religious leaders, were rejecting him as Savior, as Messiah, as King. But many Gentiles, who are non-Jews, which is probably most of us, many, including the centurion that we see, were coming to faith in him. That's what it's a reference of. And then verse 13 closes and it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Before you're seated or as you're seated, tell the person next to you, say, hey, you're blessed to be sitting next to somebody as great and amazing as I am. Go ahead and tell somebody. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Have you ever seen or heard something that stops you dead in your tracks and causes you to say, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) 
I think back to my son Cohen when he was about two years old. I was watching TV. Cohen was with me. It was just me and him, probably watching sports. I don't remember. But what I remember is that a Fiat car commercial came on featuring Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo. So by the end of the commercial, J-Lo is standing on a Fiat dancing, doing her J-Lo dance. <laughs> and Cohen, when the commercial ends, I'm, I'm not making this up, two years old, Cohen's sitting there mesmerized. Commercial ends, Cohen does this. It doesn't take much for some people to be amazed, but for other people, maybe including you, it takes a whole lot to amaze you. But what does it take to amaze God? What does it take to stop God and for God to say, wow, that's amazing? Men and women, we just read about it in verse 10. Jesus marveled at the great faith of the centurion. The word marvel in scripture, it means exactly what you think it means. It means to be amazed, to be in wonder, to be astonished, to be surprised. Think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, God in the flesh, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of the universe, who literally had seen and heard it all. Because <laughs> he was, he's the eternal one. He literally is marveled and astonished by the faith of this centurion. This wonder-working God stands in wonder at the centurion. If you study scripture, there are only two times recorded in scripture that it says Jesus marveled. The first time is what we just read, or one of the times is what we just read. There's a parallel passage in Luke 7 of the same story. The other time is in Mark chapter 6, and I actually want to read that briefly. We're going to come back to Matthew 8 so you can stay there, but if you want to turn quickly to Mark chapter 6 with me, this is the other time. Verse 1, then he, referring to Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Jesus is in his hometown, and they say, we saw this, this little guy growing up. Who does he think he is? Is basically what they're saying in verse 4. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there, and then this is funny to me, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. <laughs> he just healed a few sick people. He couldn't. And then listen to verse 6, and he marveled because of their what? Come on, 1130, because of their what? Because of their unbelief. Jesus marveled because of great faith, 
and he marveled because of unbelief. My question to us this morning, you and to me, is which category do you fall into? If you think of faith as a spectrum for a moment, picture it as a spectrum. And let's go over here to this section. On this side is great faith. Hello? Maybe I should choose a different section? Great faith over here. You know how I know that? They had to walk the farthest to get to, get to their seat. This is great faith. And then on this side, over here, unbelief. Sorry, you, you guys chose to sit there, not me. It's your fault. <laughs> and you think of it as a spectrum. Where do you fall? Where do you head, head, head where, what am I trying to say? Where do you head towards? That's what I'm trying to say. Where do you head towards? Is it more towards unbelief or is it more towards great faith? I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven one day and I'm walking with the Lord, and by the way, the last seat in heaven is better than the first seat in hell. <laughs> so just getting there will be awesome. But when I'm walking with the Lord one day, I don't want Jesus to pat me on the back and say, son, I love you, but why did you have so much unbelief in your life? I could have done so much more in and through your life. I want Jesus to pat me on the back and say, son, you asked for some crazy stuff. <laughs> but at least I want Jesus to marvel at my great faith. Why did the centurion have great faith that caused Jesus to marvel? Let's look at that. I think there's five principles that we learn from him. Faith that marvels Jesus. Number one is this. Great faith knows that Jesus is in the miracle working business. Jesus is in the miracle working business. I say that, you might think, of course he is. I talk to people in the church, and when I talk to them, I don't think they believe this sometimes. Somehow the centurion had seen or heard Jesus. He knew that Jesus was doing unbelievable miracles, healing everyone who was sick and oppressed, raising the dead. And he thought, if he can do it for them, then he can do it for me. The great Peter Drucker, the management guru, said there's two critical questions to ask if you're in business. Number one, what business am I in? And number two, how's business? Church, Jesus is in the miracle business, the miracle working business, always has been and always will be. And he's never closed for business. He's open 24 seven, 365 days of the year. He doesn't need to take a day off. He doesn't need to take a vacation. He doesn't even take his own birthday off, Christmas. <laughs> he doesn't take Easter off. And by the way, business is booming all around the world. Hebrews 13, eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That verse, amongst many others, is why the, the theological idea of cessationism is ridiculous to me. That after the New Testament closed, after the early church was birthed, all the miracles stopped because now we have the Bible and we don't need miracles. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but that's not what my Bible says. We still need miracles. We still need resurrection power. We still need chain-breaking power. We still need, come on, breakthrough. Come on, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, I like this. It says, and you no doubt know 
And you no doubt know that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were possessed by demons, for God was with him. I want to take a poll, and we're in church, so of all places, you ought to be honest, it's in church. So don't just raise your hand in response out of peer pressure. But I want to ask a question. I'm good. Uh, I want to ask a question. Listen, if you have ever, without a shadow of a doubt in your heart, received, you know that you've received at least one miracle from God in your life, raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's almost 100% at all the services. And by the way, be reminded, if he's done it before, he can do it again. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're watching online, don't feel bad. Just hang around here long enough and you will. This is a house of miracles. In fact, I believe God, in all our services, God's gonna do some miracles today before you leave. And the greatest miracle of all is salvation. It is salvation. The greatest miracle by far is salvation. Sometimes we stand in awe and amazement when God heals somebody instantaneously, but, but salvation is way more important because somebody was once lost in sin and now they're found in grace. Somebody was on the path to hell and now heaven is their home. Just last week, in fact, that's why at the end of services, that's why we always take three, four, five minutes to give people an opportunity to respond and receive salvation. We'll do it again today. So almost every week, if you're here, you see a miracle happening, whether you recognize it or not. Just last week, sitting in that third row, right where you guys are, last week at the 10 o'clock service, this lady, I won't say her name, I don't want to embarrass her, you guys probably wouldn't know her, but she, she loves our church, she invites and brings people all the time. She'd been bringing a friend that I'd met, who'd been coming four or five times. Last week, she raised her hand, 80 years old, gave her life to Jesus for the first time, and said, I've been sitting here for a few weeks and now I'm ready. Two young guys, one right there, another guy right back there, two young guys last week gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. Isn't that good? This is a house of miracles. Number two is this. Great faith humbles yourself before Jesus. Great faith humbles yourself before Jesus. The centurion said in verse eight, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Centurion uh, what that means, you might not know, I'll tell you right now, centurions, he was a Roman centurion. It sounds like the word century, it's the same root word. Roman centurions were high-ranking military officers. They'd be like generals. They had at least 60 to 80, up to 100 troops under their care. They were positions of incredible power and authority and wealth. And what is so interesting and amazing about this is at that time, the Jews... Israel, that region, was under Roman oppression and Roman rule. So for a Roman general, a Roman centurion, to approach a Jewish rabbi was unbelievable. And not only that, but he approached Jesus with such humility, and he called him Lord when Caesar was his king. But he recognized something with humility. By the way, men and women, you, he, this, this guy, he had everything the world could have to offer, everything at his disposal, yet he still approached God with humility. You might have everything that you need in your life and your life might be comfortable. Guess what, at some time, you're gonna need the Lord. And if you don't approach him with humility, you're not gonna get anywhere with God. <laughs> 
When I think of humility, I think of the, a, a plaque that my dad used to have on his desk, and it said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. <laughs> Makes me laugh, that was my dad. I also think of this verse in, in Numbers chapter 12, verse three. It says, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. What is hilarious to me about that is that Moses wrote it. <laughs> Do you realize that? I mean, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books Moses wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I can just picture Moses. Holy Spirit, you sure you really? All right, I'll, all right, I'll put it in if you want me to. More humble than anybody in the face of the earth. And Moses was a very humble man, by the way, of great faith. But you have to have humility. Great faith requires humility. Number three is this. Great faith trusts in the power and authority of the word of the Lord. Great faith trusts in the power and the authority of the word of the Lord. You go back to verse eight, the centurion said, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Say authority, say that word. Say it again, say authority. In the Greek, it's, it's exousia. It's the authority or right to act. It is the freedom to do what you are entrusted to do. It is the right to use power. The other Greek word would be dunamis, the right to use dunamis power. Listen, this is what, this is what caused Jesus to marvel. This trained non Jew, this Gentile, this Roman military centurion, in his Roman worldview, understood authority. And he thought, he says, as a military commander, when I tell somebody to do something, it is done immediately. My commands are obeyed immediately. This man, Jesus, has some sort of spiritual power and authority that I have never seen or heard of in my life. And so when he speaks a word, then sickness and disease have to leave. And so, Lord, only speak a word. Men and women, do you believe in the power and authority of the word of God? We have the entire Bible. You know, there are over 7,000 promises in Scripture. Which ones are you standing on in faith? Or when you hear a message like this and the Holy Spirit speaks something, do you grasp onto it in faith and then plant it in your heart and allow it to grow? Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he can do and will do what he says he will do. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you believe in the power and the authority of the word of the Lord? I wanna invite my beautiful wife, Jenny, seven months pregnant, to come up and share a brief story from our family that illustrates this point. Come on, give her a round of applause. Um, so in 2015, our daughter, Neve, um, started coming, she was in second grade. She started coming home from school with really bad headaches. And the headaches were so bad that she would hold her head, um, she would lay down, and she would sleep for hours. So as parents, this was pretty concerning to us. So we took her to our pediatrician, they gave us a referral to a neurologist and we kind of assumed it would be migraines. Well, the neurologist said that he wanted to order an MRI to make sure that 
Uh, nothing was more serious was there. So Neve got an MRI, and when the results came back, it wasn't what we were expecting. The MRI showed that she had a, a tumor in the front of her pituitary gland in her brain. So we were pretty devastated. After the results came back, the neurologist said, I need to refer you to a neurosurgeon um, because they need to talk to you about uh, possible treatment or removal. This is beyond my scope. So we did that. We scheduled the appointment. Um, after that, we were also told that Neve needed to do blood work to get ready for her appointment with a neurosurgeon. And when her blood work came back, it confirmed that she had um, a tumor in her brain and that there was hormones secreting into her body. And we were also told to go to an endocrinologist. Well, we went to the endocrinologist and he said, um, this tumor is secreting hormones into your daughter's body. Um, we need to get this taken care of because she might not ever have a period or have children um, and it might stunt her growth. This is gonna be a long journey, so buckle up. Those are things that you never wanna hear um, as a parent. And it's one thing if you're sick and you're battling something, but when your child is sick and when something is in their body, it brings up a whole different level of rage, of anger, um, but it also can pull you down to your knees and have you pray in ways that you've never prayed before, right? So during this time, John and I chose to stand in faith. Actually, the first person who I called um, after that first initial, um, after the neurologist called me and told me that Neve had the tumor um, was Bob. And he was in the car with Sherry, and after crying with me on the phone for a minute, he said, we're going to stand in faith and believe that this is nothing and that God is going to heal her. So I was thankful for that. After the um, MRI that Neve got, after um, the blood work happened, every week it was just more and more bad news. And we finally got to the point where we were ready to go see the neurosurgeon. We made the appointment. Um, with this um, great doctor at Chalk, and we're waiting. And that week, we got invited to go to um, Faith Community Church, to John's uncle's church, because um, there was this pastor that was speaking there um, of this little church called Hillsong um, named Brian Houston. Um, he was speaking to a, a group of pastors in the room. We thought, well, this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We should go, even though we were tired. And it was kind of the last thing that we wanted to do after hearing such bad news that day, but I felt the Holy Spirit nudge us and say, you need to go. So we did. So we got in the car. Uh, Bob, Bob actually came over to watch the kids, and we drove up to Faith and heard Pastor Brian speak. He spoke a message on Faith. I don't really remember much of what he said to the group of pastors, but there was a Hillsong concert afterwards um, in the sanctuary. It was sold out, but because we're Reeves, they let us sneak in, and we got to sit in the back and there was one point, I'm going to read what I wrote because I don't want to start crying again. Pastor Brian stood up and he took a moment to declare that if anyone needed healing in their body, specifically if anyone needed healing in their children, to raise their hand. So my husband and I stood up for our daughter, Neve Evangeline. Her name means Heaven's Evangelist. As pastors and leaders, we're used to sitting up front in church and leading other people. But this time, we were in the back in the shadows, and we stood up without anyone noticing us at all. But I know the Father's eye was on us. I remember simply praying, Lord, I don't need to be in the front row for you to heal Neve. And for the second time in my life, I heard the audible voice of God say, 
I am going to heal your daughter. I wept quietly, had peace, and we left unseen and drove home with heavy and full hearts. So that week, we met with the neurosurgeon. He looked at the MRI of my daughter's brain, and he said, I want to repeat this scan. And I said, why would I want to put my daughter through another MRI? I don't know if you've ever gotten an MRI before, having to sit completely still with a little kid. That's a pretty hard thing to do. He said, I'm the best in my field, and I'm wrong all the time. He said, do not ever believe the first word of a doctor or a first diagnosis that you get. Always repeat the scans. Okay. That's a word in here for somebody. Okay. So we decided to repeat the scan. But then I said, we went to an endocrinologist, and they said that she has prolactin in her blood. Like, she's having headaches. She's sleeping. She's, she's not acting like herself. He said, kids' bodies change all the time. I want her to repeat her blood work. I have a hunch that he's wrong, too. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with confirming, I guess, a bad diagnosis, right, before you move forward with an aggressive treatment. So we decided to leave the room with hopefulness and thankfulness. We had Neve repeat her MRI and her scan. We had her repeat her blood work, and we went back a week later to meet with the, ne the neurosurgeon. We sat at his desk, and he looked at John and I and said, I don't know what changed from Monday to Friday, but these tests show that there is nothing in Neve's brain. She is completely healthy. He also said, I have the blood work from the endocrinologist, and it shows that everything is completely normal. Whatever was happening has stopped. You can go home. You don't ever have to see me again. So we prayed. Our family prayed. Our church prayed. Pastor Brian prayed. And we stood in faith for our daughter's healing. So I want to encourage you today, church, to stand for your healing and don't give up. Amen, amen, amen. Great faith, trust in the power and authority of the word of the Lord. Number four is this. Great faith dismisses doubt. Great faith dismisses doubt. The centurion said, Lord, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Not he might be, not I hope he is, he will be healed. Too many Christians believe their doubts and doubt their beliefs. <laughs> In other words, they doubt their faith and they believe the lies and the whispers of the enemy. Men and women do the opposite. Doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. My dad used to always say, doubt your doubts and feed your faith. Doubt is a choice just like faith is a choice. You can choose to doubt unbelief or you can choose to have faith and have great faith. It's your choice. By the way, sometimes we pray and our prayers aren't answered the way that we want to. We, we do everything we can, we stand in faith, and what happens or what could happen is that the enemy tries to use that like a seed to plant doubt in your heart and start to choke faith out in your, of, of your life. In the last 11 months, I have heard more than once the whisper of the enemy's lies in my ear. God didn't heal your dad. He doesn't really heal. Stop praying for healing. Men and women, that's a lie from the enemy. 
And I preached before that, and I will preach it and believe it and live it even more than I did before. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. I refuse to lower the level of my faith and expectation to the level of my experience. No matter what happens, I'm still, I'm still gonna live by faith. I'm, I'm gonna dismiss doubt. I still know and believe that God answers prayer. I know and believe that he heals. I know and believe that he's in the miracle working business. Somebody say amen. amen. Number five is this, last point. Great faith boldly asks for the unprecedented and believes for the impossible. See, listen, the centurion 2,000 years ago, he didn't know he was in the Bible. <laughs> he was just living his life, just like you and I are. Normal day, encounters Jesus. He didn't know, but up until this point, I don't even know if he, he might not have known this. Up until this point in scripture, every single time that Jesus healed somebody, Jesus was physically present. That's why Jesus said, I will come. I'll go to your house and I'll heal him. I'll go there. But the centurion did. He boldly asked for something that was unprecedented. He believed for the impossible. And he said, Lord, I understand your spiritual power and authority. You don't even need to come to my house. I'm not even worthy that you would come into my house. I'm not worthy. Just speak a word. And men and women, Jesus marveled at that kind of great faith. He says, I have never seen this kind of faith ever. He said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Another translation says, let it be done for you according to your faith. We started with that two weeks ago. We're gonna end this series right here. Men and women, let it be done for you according to your faith, not your spouse's faith, not your grandmother's faith, according to your faith. So in other words, if you believe that God can do a lot in and through your life, he will. If you believe he could do a little in your life, then he'll do a little. If you don't believe he can do anything in your life, he won't. You get to choose how much faith you have in God. You get to choose how much God blesses your life. You get to choose how much God uses you. You get to choose how many miracles you receive and experience in your life. The great Dr. Cho would say that God is as large as you allow him to be, but he's also as small as you can find him to be. That man knew a little bit about faith. He led the largest church in the history of the world with over a million people in South Korea. The question is not, is not how big is your challenge, how big is your obstacle, how big is the storm, how big is the giant you're facing? That's not the question, that's not the right question. The question, men and women, is how big is your God? How big is your God? Billy Graham says heaven is full of answers to prayers that we have never prayed. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Do you believe, do you believe that he can do the impossible in your life, in your life? Do you believe that he can save you and deliver you and forgive you from all of your sins? 
Do you believe that he can heal you of sickness? Do you believe that he could heal you of cancer? Do you believe that he could help you forgive that person who abused you? Do you believe that he can resurrect your dead marriage? Do you believe that he could bring your prodigal son or daughters back to the Lord? Do you believe that he can give you a miracle baby this year? Do you believe that he could give you a new job? Do you believe that he could provide a house for you? In Southern California, not in Texas or Idaho or Tennessee, <laughs> here. Do you believe that he can free you from anxiety and depression and you could actually live with peace and joy? He can do all of those things, men and women, and much more. Let's be a church that boldly asks for the unprecedented and believes God for the impossible. Come on, let's have great faith that marvels Jesus, that, that brings glory to Jesus. Would you stand your feet with me right now? We're gonna, Rebecca and the team is gonna lead us in a song, probably not familiar to you, but lyrics are simple, you can follow along. We're gonna sing and worship, and then we're gonna ha have a time of prayer. Don't leave yet, we're not done. We'll be done in a few minutes. We're gonna pray for miracles in a moment. But let's worship the Lord right now together. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.